Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harmon of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday, and for the fourth straight week, it's not a Victory Monday. It is, in actuality, the furthest thing from a Victory Monday the Steelers could ever have after their 38-3, you can call it so many different things, a shellacking, a debacle, a drubbing, being dominated, uh, whatever. However, it was it was that word that you're thinking of in your head when you think about that game. It was awful. It was awful. 38 to three. Steelers lose their record moves to one and four in this 2022 regular season. And we all know what's coming up. The games don't get easier. This game against the Buffalo Bills, though, is what we're going to talk about. There is so much to discuss. Injury updates. My battle with DirecTV. We've got the change that everyone wants. We have the winners and losers in the second half. We've got it all for you right here on this podcast, so make sure you stay tuned. Don't miss anything. And before we go anywhere, I want to make sure that you all understand that I am so happy to have you here with me. And the reason being is that this is very therapeutic for me. You know, when you watch the team and you follow this team as closely as uh, I do and everyone else behind the steel curtain does, you know, when you have a microphone in front of your face after a game like that, it is, well, it's therapeutic, like I said. And so for me, I'm thankful that you're here with me. Hopefully you stay along for the ride. It's going to be a very, very bumpy ride, as we saw. And there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to unhash here. I'm going to be getting some of my thoughts about the game. I'm going to talk about some of the fan narratives surrounding this team. But still, it is what it is. Before we go into any of the minutiae, I want to tell, and this is something I said on Twitter yesterday, the game day, Sunday, I hate DirecTV. I hate DirecTV. I only have DirecTV because I wanted the Sunday ticket package. If it wasn't for NFL Sunday ticket, I would not have DirecTV. No chance would I have DirecTV, but I do, and that's because I need the Sunday ticket. I don't live in the Pittsburgh viewing area. I live in Maryland, and so I have the Baltimore and the Washington games. Those are the games that we see. And I was so furious when I'm supposed to get this game because the the Ravens play at night. The CBS affiliate is carrying the Washington-Tennessee game because if you know about how the TV things work, the visiting team carries the coverage. So the Tennessee Titans were at Washington. Washington is the home team, visiting team, Titans, AFC. They are on CBS. Don't worry. Jeff gets the game. Come to find out there's this tiny, well, it's not tiny, there's a, there's a smaller station in Baltimore that was carrying the Steelers game, but I don't get Baltimore stations. I get D.C. stations. I should still get it on Sunday Ticket. I go to Sunday Ticket. Dave Schofield's sitting in my living room. We turn on the game, and it's blacked out. It says, this game is on your local area. We can't find, a, find the station for you to find it. 
but you can't see it. So I'm sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. Dave calls his wife. His wife says, wow, the game's on at our house. Dave goes home. I'm trying to listen on the radio. I'm calling DirecTV. They're absolutely no help at all. Finally, I go to Dave's house. I miss, I'm listening on the radio. I heard the whole game, but I'm listening on the radio for the whole first quarter. I go to Dave's house. I watch the majority of the second quarter, the majority of the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, CBS goes away from the game and they go to a more competitive game. And so now I'm driving home listening to the game again, furious. And then there, here's the, the cherry on top, folks. You, my ride or die crew will appreciate that because you all have a, a very good sense of humor. Here's what it is. I get a text message, and this text message comes through. It's DirecTV at 5.04 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, the game's been over for over an hour. It says this, quote, <laughs> I came up, I'm quoting a text message. Here we go. Hi, it's DirecTV. Here's the link you requested to locate NFL schedules and channels. Thanks for choosing us. I responded. I know you can't respond to these text messages. I just wrote, are you serious? And I told them, I said, when when this Sunday ticket leaves DirecTV, I'm dropping you all so fast, it's crazy. And they said, well, we don't want to lose your business. It's like, no, it's too late. Too late. So hopefully that, hopefully that made you chuckle a little bit. I was unbelievably flustered and frustrated trying to do my job, trying to watch the game. Thankfully, Dave had recorded the game on his home DVR on his way home, I guess, or did it from his phone, and we were able to go back and watch the majority of the first quarter during halftime, just fast-forwarding through breaks and in between plays, but it was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare for me. It was a nightmare for the team, just bad all around. So let's talk about some football. Let's start with the news. Now, the news, actually, that I want to talk about first started, I think it was Saturday evening, almost Saturday night, when it was reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN, according to his sources, that T.J. Watt, during his time on injured reserve, has also undergone arthroscopic knee surgery. And this goes all the way back to when T.J. Hawkinson went low on him, uh, meaning he went at his knees as a chop block almost technique, not chop block, but as a blocking technique against the Detroit Lions week three preseason game. And remember, T.J. Watt hobbled off. He was held out precautionary term, precautionary reasons per Mike Tomlin. And he never came back. And Mike Tomlin said that he would be able to play if, if, it, if it meant something. So this is probably a situation where the knee probably still doesn't feel great. He probably could have played the season if he was healthy otherwise. But he's probably looking at it and saying, well, what if I just got my knee cleaned up now while I'm already on the shelf, while I'm, not, while I'm already on injured reserve? That way I don't have to deal with it for the rest of the season. When I come back, I can come back fully healthy. And so that's what he did. But they were saying how it's going to delay his return. Now, uh, Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette after the game, tweeted out that the timetable for him to return is still after the bye week. Uh, remember, the, the the Steelers have a week nine bye, uh, and then after that they host the uh, New Orleans Saints. So, excuse me, Jerry Dulac is saying that, uh, that they're still November 13th against the Saints is, is the, the date that they are targeting, and that's per team sources. Uh, but then Tracy Wolfson during the game said that, according to her sources, uh, that T.J. Watt's knee surgery is not going to delay his return at all. So the return date might have always been after the bye, and that's for the pectoral injury, not the knee. But the injuries continue to be a theme for the Steelers as they get through this Week 5 loss. Cameron Sutton left the game with a hamstring injury, was unable to return. Larry Ogunjobi left with a back injury. He was not able to return. Steven Sims had a weird eye injury in pregame warm-ups. I don't know what was going on with that, but he had an eye injury. 
he was it was because of that injury that he was unable to be out there for the opening kickoff for the Steelers. The Steelers win the toss, defer to the second half. They give up a 98-yard touchdown. And then the the on ensuing kickoff is James Pierre out there. They kick it short. James Pierre muffs the kickoff. It's recovered by the Bills because Sims had that eye injury. And he eventually came into the game, which is really weird. I'm just not so sure what happened. The biggest injuries were probably definitely to Pat Frymuth and Levi Wallace, who both left with concussions and were not able to come back. With Pat Frymuth having two concussions last year, you worry about his overall health and the fact that he is now at three in two years. It's a concern. It is a definite cause for concern, and it's also a cause for concern with the Steelers moving forward. They hope to get some players back. You know, talk about Terrell Edmonds. Minka Fitzpatrick was clearly not his usual self dealing with a knee injury. It was bad. It was bad, and the injuries just seemed to make it worse. When we talk about this game, though, when we talk about this game and my reaction to this game, I want to get something right off, out of the gate, off my chest, and make it very clear. This game isn't just about Kenny Pickett. There's a lot of fans out there that they want to talk about Kenny Pickett, and he deserves to be discussed. Good or bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. He deserves to be discussed why he's the quarterback of the team. However, this game is not just about the quarterback. So if you want to complain about three points scored and you think it's all because of Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry, I don't see it that way. I I can't overlook 38 points given up, and it could have been worse. We'll get to that. But fans right now, just because this is what they always do, fans always do this, they are clamoring for change. They want change. Media members are trying to feed that beast that is the fan base, and they're asking Tomlin after the game about change. Do you think you'd have change after a game like this? Tomlin says, well, of course. Did you all see what happened? Yes, there could be change. If I were to say there's not going to be change, what does that say to the team? And then they say, well, could the change be with the coaching staff? And I'm listening to these questions thinking, holy cow, we are talking about people. And the person that asked the question, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked because of the outlet they work for. I'm not shocked because the person that asked the question, go and listen to the press conference yourself. I'm not going to say that here on this show. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And that question was about the coaches. Would you change coaches? Would that be one of the sources of change? He goes, look, we just got killed out there. I'm not going to say that anyone's safe. And rightfully so. Good answer by Tomlin. But of course, what are they doing? They're just feeding that fan narrative of change, change, change. They want to write those articles about Tomlin not wanting to change and things like that. So what change? Now, this is something I spoke about on the post-game press conference. You can check that out as well on our audio platform. What change do fans want? Like where? Like Don't just sit there, wherever you're listening to me right now, and saying, Steelers need to change. Okay, thanks. But where? Where do they need to change? So be specific. Like Be specific. If you're going to be someone that sits there, talks to friends, goes on social media, whatever, and you're going to scream, this team needs to change. There needs to be change. Heads need to roll. Okay, don't just be so general. Be specific. So some people want Tomlin fired. That's, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But okay, what other change are you talking about? Well, Isaiah Loudermilk could get a helmet. Yeah, that's a change that could happen. Um... DeMarvin Leal, we saw him get increased reps with the fact that Larry got hurt early in the game. Okay. Calvin Austin III could be activated. DeMonte KZ could come off of injured reserve. Yeah, you could bench players. Maybe it's a Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, get George Pickens more reps. Whatever. You got to have specific change. To me, changing just to change without any direction is beyond dumb. 
It's beyond dumb. The NFL, at least the good teams, they don't do knee-jerk reactions. They don't do that. The, the biggest thing for the Steelers right now is they need to get healthy. They need to get healthy. And I'm not just talking about T.J. Watt, the one-man defense that is T.J. Watt. I'm talking about some of those players like Terrell Edmonds getting him back. If they could get DeMonte KZ back in the near future. If you can get Calvin Austin out there and he could be a difference maker. If he could return kicks and punts, that'd be even better. If you could find a way to get Isaiah Loudermilk more reps, just to get him experience even at this stage of his career. They just need to get healthy. You talk about Cam Sutton. Or uh, um, Akella Witherspoon, who's also dealing with a hamstring injury. Hopefully, Pat Fryermuth and Levi Wallace's concussions are not, uh, you know, extreme to the point where they miss time. They need to just get healthy. That's what this team needs. Could there be changes? Yes. I wrote an entire article before uh, the Week Five game against Buffalo, saying there are six changes that they could make that could play pay dividends. You know, I talked about how Sims taking over for Gunner O. Well, obviously, he gets injured. You talk about, you know, seeing more Isaiah Loudermilk. Well, he didn't get a helmet again. Maybe he could find a helmet this week. It's one of those situations where everyone wants change, but I just don't know the change that could actually happen that is actually realistic is going to make any benefit at all. And let's be honest with ourselves here. This game did not fall on any one person. Not on Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Terrell Austin, Kenny Pickett, Minka Fitzpatrick, Levi Wallace, Devin Bush, Miles Jack. Doesn't matter. Any scapegoat you could possibly think of, it is not just one sole person that lost this game. This game went sideways in a hurry. In a hurry. And even listening to the Steelers radio broadcast, and I did get to go back and see the first half, but still, even listening live, you could just tell how this game, the, the sequence of events that took place, it was set up. I mean, you think about the start. It was set up for the Steelers to stay in it, and they just couldn't do a thing. You think about the opening kickoff. Muffed by the Bills. Downed at the two-yard line. Okay, three, third and 10. A 90-yard, 98-yard bomb. Touchdown, Bills. Okay, huge play. Huge swinging point in the game. However, it's only one play. So, what do the Steelers do? They get the kickoff. James Pierre muffs it. But again, the Bills, they hold them to a field goal attempt, and it's blocked. Oh, my gosh, the Steelers have new life. And then from there, it just seemed like the wheels fell off. But that 38-3 score, it could have been way worse. I just mentioned the missed blocked field goal. I I mentioned the red zone interception. I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but uh, Josh Allen threw that red zone interception that was picked off by Levi Wallace. You had the red zone fumble. The running back, I'm not even sure of the guy's name, who fumbles it into the end zone. It's a touchback. Steelers get the ball. Think if those plays don't happen. This score is a lot worse than 38-3. to I mean, Josh Allen threw for four touchdowns in the first half. He was having his way with the Steelers. Could do whatever he wanted. Wasn't even close. He threw for 424 yards. It was like, and this is something my middle school football coach used to say, It was like a warm knife going through butter. Super easy. Super easy. And Josh Allen, they they, they took the – not only did the Bills put in Case Keenum and kind of like say, okay, let's take it easy. Josh Allen, they they definitely took their foot off the pedal. They did. In the second half, they could have run the score up and they could have just been moving up and down, up and down on this team. And it it wouldn't have have been – 
There would not have been much resistance, we'll put it that way, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. But blame goes around to everyone. If you want to play the blame game, go for it. It's going to be it's going to take you a while. The coaches. The coaches deserve blame. Mike Tomlin, yeah, you're the one in charge. You deserve the most blame on the coaching staff. Matt Canada, although I I did like some of his play calls and he was in a tough spot based on the fact that they did get down so quick, so fast, you can't run your way back in those games. So you become one-dimensional. And Kenny Pickett's having to throw the ball 50-plus times. That's not a way to succeed with a rookie quarterback, first career start on the road against that team. But still, Matt Canada had these lulls in play calling where he's, I, I don't get what his play calls. It was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. It was like Randy Feetner was calling plays again. But then he'd have these whole scripts or this whole series of plays that were just genius. Moving the ball well, RPOs, all this stuff. They all deserve blame. Tara Lost and Brian Flores, you name it. From top down, they all deserve blame for this loss. I mean, how could Tara Lawson sleep at night knowing that they gave up 38 and it could have been way worse? The scouts. Some people on the live chat of our postgame show said, what about the scouts? Not so much the scouts and the GM currently. But you have to wonder, you know, the depth that the Steelers have, or should I say the lack of depth that they have. I'm watching a game where in the secondary, I'm asking Dave Schofield, who is number 16? Is it Jackson? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the guy that they had to bring up from the practice squad. It was, I think, Josh Jackson, Elijah Riley, Minka Fitzpatrick, and James Pierre and Arthur Millette were the primary defensive backs at one point. I want you to think about what I just said again. And then you can understand how this, the the depth or lack thereof is an issue. It's a big time issue. And then of course the players, the players deserve the lion's share of the blame as well. Why you have to got to make a play. I don't care if you are James Pierre, who has struggled to get a helmet since 2021 or not to get a helmet, but to have a significant role in the defense, you got to make a play. You have to go out and make a play. And they weren't not able to do that. Deontay Johnson's dropping passes. Chase Claypool's dropping passes. Just Kenny Pickett is running out of bounds, just like Mitch Trubisky did to give his offensive line a sack on on their name instead of throwing the ball away. I mean, this is what everyone was to blame. Minka Fitzpatrick, you name it, everyone. All of them. So if you're going to play the blame game, play it the right way. So the question is, before we go into a break and have the winners and losers coming up next, where did the Steelers go from here? Like, that's a big question. I mean, yeah, don't say, don't give me the stock while they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week six. No kidding. But where do they go from here? How do they handle this? Well, anyone that's coached, and again, if you coached at a high school level or up, or if you were an athlete and you were a part of a loss like this, you know what happens. You're going to watch the tape. I know I coached plenty of teams that we had, it was a blowout. We would watch the tape. And maybe we might look back at certain aspects of it. And then I say, you know what? It's done. It's done. We're not looking at it again. We're going to move on. We've got to turn the page. That's what you have to do. It's kind of like that. You burn the tape. You burn the tape, and then you just start looking ahead at the next opponent. But you know what? You can't look too far ahead because things can change quickly. So Steeler fans right now are all saying, oh, they're going to lose to Tampa Bay, they're going to lose to Miami, they're going to lose to Philadelphia, and they're going to be 1-7 and seven going into the bye week. Could it happen? Anyone that watched even part of the game Sunday knows it could happen. However, what I'm talking about is let's look at Miami. In two weeks, the Steelers go down to Miami on Sunday night football. So Tua 
No one knows when he's coming back. Teddy Bridgewater left the game for Miami on Sunday. And then Tyreek Hill is in a walking boot as they lost to the Jets. So now, that game against Miami, now a lot can change in two weeks. Tyreek Hill could be healthy. Tua could be back. They could be a high-flying offense once again and cause the Steelers some serious issues. It could happen. Or they could continue to have injury problems, and the Steelers' opponent could be vastly different than the team that everyone fell in love with when they were 3-0 and and they had just come off a win over the Buffalo Bills. So you had to think about it that way. Things can change quickly. But four straight losses is bad enough. It can, But can it get bad? Can it get worse than this? Can it get worse than week five? I mean, think about that. Could it get worse than that 38-3 to loss? The only loss I can remember that was similar to that was last year's Bengals game 41-10, to where they just ran all over the Steelers. This was different, but it was equally as demoralizing. But someone said this on Twitter, and I was going to say something before I, I go into the break. They asked, Jeff, do you think this is what the team needed? I will say this. If the team was on their high horse and thought, it's okay, we're going to be able to come back, we're going to be able to make something out of this season, and this is what happens, well, then if that, as I talk this out, I change my mind on it. You know, is it what they needed? If you've lost three games in a row and you just lost to the Jets at home, if you thought going into the Buffalo Bills and winning was going to be somehow some magic elixir, well, we're not watching the same game. Could it have helped? Oh, it would have helped immensely if they would have found a way to go into to Buffalo and win for a second straight year. But that's not likely with that team, not with the injuries the Steelers had. And let's also not forget the Buffalo Bills were missing a lot of pieces on their team uh, You know, as they look ahead to Kansas City next week. So the Steelers, is it what they needed? If they needed a slap in the face before this, then that's that's on them. That's on them. They should not have needed this after losing three straight games the way they did. All right, enough of me right now. We're going to take a break. After that break, we're going to talk about winners and losers. I have three winners. Yes, actually three winners and 10 losers. We're going to talk about that all coming up after the break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half. My gosh, you stayed with it this long. I mean, you came back after the break to hear about 10 losers. That's because you're in my Ride or Die crew, and the Ride or Die crew is as loyal as they come. You maybe come for the three winners and stay for the losers. I don't know, but you stuck around. I appreciate it. All right, let's get to the winners. Right away, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is in the winner's column. He finishes 34 of 52 for 327 yards, a 6.3 average. He did not have a touchdown, one interception, was sacked three times for 17 yards, a 74.8 rating. So threw for over 327, 6.3 average, three sacks. I mentioned that one of those was when he ran out of bounds instead of throwing the ball away, and a 74 rating is up from last week as well. 52 throws. That is not the equation for success. Not in Buffalo, not anywhere. Not with a rookie quarterback with his first start. Kenny Pickett, though, I said this in the postgame show, and I'll reiterate it here on my Let's Ride podcast. If I was someone that knew about football, but not everything, I'm not, you know, I'm not a super into football person, I knew enough to know if someone's decent player or not. And I just sat down and watched this game, and someone said, 
that quarterback for the Steelers, do you think, you know, what do you think about them? I think, hey, that guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. Not getting a ton of help, but he's getting pretty good. He's pretty good. I never would have guessed he's a rookie. That's important to me. The eye test is Kenny Pickett did not look like a rookie. He had rookie moments, but he did not look like a rookie. We've all seen those games where rookies have that deer in the headlight look. They don't know how to handle the pressure. They don't know where to go with the football, and it's bad. He put up 327 yards. It's the most passing yards surrendered by the Bills yet this year. I know it was garbage time, some of it. I don't care. He moved the Steelers' offense. They need to get better on third downs. We'll talk about that. They need to get better in the red zone. We'll talk about that. But still, I liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett. There's plenty to gripe about. There's also a lot to like, so you got to be an optimistic in some stance. Second winner, James Daniels. Why? Sticking up for his teammate. So Kenny Pickett in the second half slides for a first down or close to it, and all of a sudden he gets hit late. It's a tough play for a defender, not going to lie. But it was pretty obvious Kenny Pickett was going to slide. He there's no flag, but even though if they, even if there was a flag, James Daniels comes over to his quarterback's aid, and I loved it. I loved it. Hadn't seen that happen since Ben Roethlisberger slid on Thursday Night Football against the Panthers one year. I think it was a safety read. He came in and hit Ben high and late, and Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. I thought they were going to kill him. I thought they were going to kill him. Now, yeah, we know about Marquise Pouncey and DeCastro after the Mason Rudolph Thursday night game. I mean, that's not that's different, okay? Miles Garrett swung a helmet. I'm talking about the, the players sticking up for their teammate in a very unique way. James Daniel went into the Buffalo sideline. Now, he was trying to get out of there, rightfully so. But he was going to make it clear, you're not going to do that to our quarterback. You're not doing that to our guy. And because they did, I, I love it because James Daniel stuck up for his teammate. I love it because... He showed enough. I mean, this is a rookie quarterback. Let's all let's not forget Alan Fanica's comments when Ben Roethlisberger was a starter in 2004. Well, I know I said don't. I know I said don't compare Ben stats and Kenny stats. I know I'm not doing that. When Alan Fanica said, "Look, I'm not excited about having a rookie quarterback. These guys probably aren't either, but they stuck up for him, and I love it. Good job, James Daniels. Set that tone. The last winner, George Pickens, six catches on eight targets. For 83 yards, a 13.8 average. He didn't have a touchdown, but a 29-yard long. Every single week George Pickens plays, he looks more and more polished. He looks more and more like a wide receiver one on this team and in the NFL. And that's really important. At a time when some pass catchers on the Steelers roster are struggling to do the little things right and well, George Pickens is doing those little things extremely well and doing them right and with frequency. That's important. You want to talk about change. I mentioned that in the first half of the show. George Pickens playing more should be a change that the Steelers see that could benefit the offense in the long run. He still hasn't hit pay dirt yet. I feel like it's coming. But this is now a 102 yards in week four against the Jets. Now 83 yards in week five against the Bills. A very good showing for George Pickens. And he rounds out the winner's list. So Kenny Pickett, James Daniels, and George Pickens are the Steelers' winners for this week now we get to the 10 losers i kind of mentioned this already but mike tomlin tops my losers list this week it is in my opinion the stat line reads complete ineptitude an absolute and this is something that mike tomlin said in the post game show he said that the steelers quote lack of detail well guess what coach that lack of detail is on you You're the guy that's in charge. Mike Tomlin is the one that's in charge. He's the one that's supposed to be getting all of his coaches 
the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, everyone down to the position coach, he is the one that's supposed to be getting them ready. And if there's a lack of detail, that's on you. And so I'm not a Mike Tomlin hater. If anything, I'm a Mike Tomlin apologist. But the fact that he had the cojones to say that in a post-game press conference, the lack of detail, that is literally just, it, it is throwing mud on your own face. Mike Tomlin deserves to be on the losers list after this performance. It was not good enough, and it better improve quickly. The next loser is Deontay Johnson. Stat line, five catches on 13 targets, only 60 yards, a 12-yard average. Again, no touchdowns by anyone in a 23-yard long. Deontay Johnson, he is struggling right now. Anyone that's watched this team knows he's struggling right now. The issue with Deontay Johnson and I said this before on other podcasts. I'll say it here as well. What they need, what this pass catchers need to do is they need to do the routine things routinely to steal a phrase from Mike Tomlin. And then if you can help your quarterback out by making some freakish plays, that's just a cherry on top. But when your quarterback throws you a perfect pass on fourth and six and it hits you in the perfect target area, and you catch it, and instead of bringing it into your body to you know, really make sure you hold onto the ball, you keep it out away from your body, and the ball gets stripped away from you, and it's an incomplete pass turnover on downs, that's an issue. Do the routine things well. Deontay Johnson has had a lot of issues recently with getting two feet in bounds. Work the sideline in practice. Tony Totab, Antonio Brown, he did not just wake up one day with that unbelievable ability to get his feet inbounds. He worked on it every single day. I'm not saying Deontay Johnson's not working, but what you're doing is not good enough. Deontay Johnson needs to step up his game, or he will be the one that finds himself on the benching side of George Pickens. Special teams is the next loser. The Steelers had missed field goals. They had a botched return, below average punting. I get it. Big press, Presley Harvin. It's really tough to compare based on the fact that, well, the, the, it's funny because they did, the Bills didn't have to punt that much. Uh, in terms of punting, Sam Martin, the Buffalo punter, only had to punt the ball twice. Presley Harvin did only, he only had four punts, actually, come to think of it. There were not a lot of punts in this game, but he averaged 40, uh, 40.8. He did have a long of 69. It's just punting in one direction was really, really tough. And so... I, just lack of consistency. The special teams for the Steelers, I thought was just bad. And that leads to the next loser, and that's Christopher Lynn Boswell, Chris Boswell. He's one for three on field goals for the day. And yes, it was windy. But it was windy for both teams. It was windy for both teams. And Chris Boswell now, has he's as much as he makes the 59-yarder against the Jets at the end of the half, he's missing some of these shorter field goals. It's not, I don't think it's becoming a trend, but it is somewhat concerning. You want to see your kicker be able to navigate his way through the wind. And Tony Romo was all about his golf analogies. Tony Romo is actually a fantastic golfer. He's a scratch. I think he's actually a plus golfer. Uh, but in, in the, there are a lot of similarities. I've talked about him before. Good golfers know how to play the wind. Chris Boswell, I don't know what the deal is. Figure it out. But he's on the loser list, unfortunately. So the next one is injuries. I mentioned the injuries at the top of the show. The more injuries to the defense, the worse this is going to get. The more I watch this team, the more I think the issues aren't even on offense, it's more on defense. Yeah, the the offense only put up three points. You're thinking, Jeff, how is that even possible? But the offense moved the ball. They didn't score when they had to, but the defense is getting run on. 
They're, they're giving up big chunk plays through the air was the MO in this game in week five. The more defensive injuries, especially in the secondary, is it's a scary, scary thought. So the injuries, they're a loser for sure. The next is the pass rush. Zero sacks. One quarterback hit. I really feel like Bob Uecker, uh, who, if you know who Bob Uecker is from the movie Major League, where there's a scene in that movie where Harry Doyle, that's his name in the film, he's wrapping up the game. He's the play-by-play for, at the time, the Cleveland Indians. And he says, and the Cleveland Indians had one hit, one goddamn hit, and his partner puts his hand over, the, hand over the mic and says, you can't say that on the air. He goes, ah, no one's listening anyways. That's what I felt like. I was like, they had, the Steelers had one quarterback hit in the game, and it was by Minka Fitzpatrick. This pass rush is non-existent non-existent from anywhere. And I wonder what it would look like if TJ Watt were there. Yeah, they would have to slide some protection, but they're not getting any help from anyone. Larry's not doing it. Wasn't doing it this week because he got hurt with the back injury. Cam Hayward's not really doing it. Alex Highsmith's cooled off. We haven't seen anything from Malik Reed that resembles a pass rush. Inside linebackers aren't getting home when they blitz Devin Bush or Miles Jack. It is bad all around. The pass rush is a loser. The next are pass catchers. Like I said, when I was talking about Deontay Johnson, the stat line is simple. Make the routine catches routinely. Chase Claypool had some drops in this game. Catches that were not easy. They're not as bad as the one I diagrammed with Deontay Johnson on fourth and six. But they're still, I mean, I go back to what my dad used to say when he coached me in flag football. If it hits your hand, say it with me, kids. You should have caught it. And so this is a situation that the Steelers find themselves in now. These pass catchers have to make the routine plays routinely. Okay, that's that's why they're on the losers list here. You got to help your quarterback out sometimes. You make those freakish plays, that's fantastic. But when your quarterback puts a good ball that's in a catchable spot, that especially when it's only you can get it and it hits your hands, you got to bring that in. You got to bring it in. The next are the penalties. Pittsburgh was penalized six times for 54 yards. The timing of those penalties was bad, some pre-snap penalties. But also, I put the officials on the losers list as well because they had failed to control the game. Anyone that's played sports, a team sport especially, if things get out of hand, you can go back in that contest and find moments where the officials not doing their job, they let things get out of control. It happens. As a lacrosse coach, there were times where cheap shots were made, late hits were not called. And sometimes, I'm talking about against my team. You got to call those. You have to throw those flags. They didn't. So not throwing the flag when Kenny Pickett slid got him fired up already. Then later in the game, he gets hit late and low, and it's not called. He gets up. He's furious because he feels like a guy went after his knees. And he shoves the guy, and next thing you know, another melee happens. That's on the officials. Control the game. Sometimes penalties curtail this behavior. Think back to those Cincinnati Bengals-Steelers games with Vontez Perfect that got out of control. They weren't flagging stuff early that let players know what they could get away with, and that led to other issues. So shame on that. Both sides as well. The next is the fourth down offense. They did, oh, the Steelers were 0 for 3 on fourth down. You know, so if if Mike Tomlin's going to have the guts to go for it, which he didn't in the second quarter when he should have, but if he's going to have the guts to go for it, he has to be confident that the team can convert. They haven't done it. 
And the, the Deontay Johnson drop was, again, a really big play for the Steelers. And they had to get points, and they just couldn't do it. And so 0 for 3, that's just not good enough. And the last loser is third downs on offense and defense. On offense, they were 5 for 15. Early in the game, they were looking really good on third downs, and then it just went ice cold. Ice cold on third downs. And defensively, the Bills went 5 for 9. Only needed five, 9 third downs. I mean, think about it, they scored 38 points. They could have had more. They only saw third down nine times. Nine times, to quote Ferris Bueller's day off. That's just not good enough. Both sides of the ball, not good enough. Third downs, I talk about it every week, about the, the those key situations, and you got to win those moments. They did not win them for sure on Sunday. So let's recap the losers. Mike Tomlin, Deontay Johnson, the special teams, Chris Boswell, injuries, the pass rush, pass catchers, the penalties and officials, fourth down offense, and third down offense and defense. I listed 10. I probably could have done a heck of a lot more than 10 if I'm being honest. So, all right, that's enough for me. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. I'm not going anywhere, folks. This team is really bad right now, but I'm not going anywhere. And neither is anyone else behind the steel curtain. So stay plugged in. Stay in tune. We're going to get through this thing together. It can be as therapeutic for you as it is for me. Look out for that tweet on Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. I will put out the question. You provide... I will put out the tweet. You provide the question. I'll provide the answer. That's how this thing works. And I'll answer all your questions on Wednesday. So in the meantime, folks, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. And as always, no matter what, go Steelers. We'll see you on Wednesday.